And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post podcast on a Thursday afternoon in beautiful Northeast America, where it's time somehow to talk about All-Stars. We have to vote on All-Star starters very soon. The All-Star game, such as it is, is apparently taking place during a plague in Atlanta. And uh, so let's pick some All-Stars. And there's no one I'd rather pick All-Stars with than the one and only Kevin Arnovitz. How are you, sir? I'm well. How are you? I am hanging in. Are you a voter for All-Stars? All right. Really funny story. I'm supposed to be, and I screwed up. I, I told the good people at the NBA. When I got the email, I thought is, will you vote like in-game on the MVP? Are you available? And I'm not to vote in-game MVP on the mirror. So I said, I can't do it this year. And so I, I have been temporarily replaced. Total, again, total user error, right? Like I, I just completely screwed up. But I So am, what you're saying is you didn't read the email from I, the NBA. You I, just skimmed it, just threw it, just deleted it, didn't read it carefully at all. That's exactly what happened. And then kind of I deserve this punishment to the extent that it is a punishment. I, I Voting is really stressful. It this All-star voting doesn't stress me out. End of the year voting stresses me out. So here why, here's why all-star voting doesn't stress me out. We only vote for the starters. Okay, so we vote for the media get whatever percent. I've lost track of the algorithm by which the starters are chosen and what percentage say the idiots like me and the media have, but whatever. We have some percentage say, but we only vote on starters. We vote two guards and three front court players. Everything else is up to the coaches who pick the seven reserves, really without regard to position at this point. I think they have enough flexibility on position that I don't even worry about it. So whenever people want to get mad at the media voters, A, we only have 25% say, and B, we only vote for the five starters. The reserves which is where the real debate is, is really for like the last three spots in each conference. That's up to the coaches. So let's start in the Eastern Conference. Are you ready, Mr. Arnovitz? I am ready. I actually think the East is more interesting um, than the West this year when you get to the back of the back of the roster. So I have, here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to tell you how many locks I have for the 12-man team in general. You can either throw someone out of my locks and say they're out, they're not a lock, or you can say, hey, I have another guy. That should be a lock. So here are my locks. I have seven locks in the Eastern Conference. Seven. Got to be there. No disputing it. I don't want to hear your contrarian argument. They are in the All-Star game. Joel Embiid, who might be the MVP right now. Kevin Durant. Giannis. Jalen Brown. Jason Tatum. Kyrie Irving. And Bradley Beal. Those are my seven locks. You can make up arguments against them if you want. The Wizards stink. Kyrie went AWOL, whatever. Seven all-star locks. I don't know which five I'm voting for as starters because, frankly, I don't care. I haven't put any thought into it. I don't even know what position Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum count as for this exercise of voting for starters. I will probably slide one of them in for Kyrie for the AWOL factor and make Kyrie a backup. But those guys are seven locks. No-brainers for me. They have to be in. Do you agree? disagree have somebody else that deserves lock status um i've got two other locks one of which i was absolutely certain you would have who is nikola vucevic um Ooh, I, spicy i have him as a lock i just can't and now look part of it is i'm over indexing for the fact that there just aren't a lot of other bigs on the board in the east so i i, I feel like just by virtue of him being superlative at his position um i just want to make a disclaimer like really quick um for like what, how this is different than awards voting at the end of the year. I mean, I'm gonna, you know how film festivals have the audience award and the grand jury award. Like I will, I will 
make this more of an audience award and that I'm willing to forgive sins of commission guys make things I might not be as over, you know willing to overlook in a, an award situation I'm gonna over index offense to defense much more than I do in awards and I'm going to consider some sentimental and narrative factors that I might not otherwise in an awards vote so let me just say that so I am well, a big softy I want the fans to be entertained da, da, da. okay fine. Oh, no, no, it's, not so, even, it's not even so much like I want the fans to be entertained I, I just think it's like it's more of an artifice. I'm I'm cool with that, and I'm gonna go with it. The other lock I have is Chris Middleton, and I don't know what this freaking guy has to do to to just assert himself as just a perennial all star. Just kind of put it in ink, and that's a larger conversation. I think we started having a couple of weeks ago, but Middleton to me is a lock, and I'm I, I'm I'm sort of I feel pretty certain of that. All right, so let's go. Let's go there. So, but again, we have twelve spots. We don't get fifteen. We don't get fourteen. We don't get nineteen. So, when your guy is left off and people get yelling and screaming at everyone, just remember you've got to take someone off the twelve-man roster to put that guy on. And then, oh, oh that's a little trickier than I thought. Anyway, so I've got, I've got seven locks. That gives me five spaces left, right? My next guy in. So you might as well count him. Let me him ask as a you lock. a question about Tatum. And I, and. Look, I've got Tatum on my. Bum. I don't like. I don't like. I don't like where this is going. No, I, I just like. Can you defend Tatum over Middleton? I mean, tell me, because look, I look. I'm a, I'm a Tatum. I like Tatum a lot. I'm also looking at his numbers, and look, there are numbers to look at. That's how we examine this stuff. I see a guy with a pretty much barely above league average true shooting percentage. By the way, still might very well be on my team, but I just don't understand how we get to lock for him, where we might not get a lock for Middleton. Uh. Jason Tatum's just better than Chris Middleton. I don't. I don't really know how to. I love Chris Middleton. I just Jason Tatum's just better. I haven't even really looked too deeply at Jason Tatum's numbers. He's such a no-brainer for me. He's also a, the far superior defensive player of the two. Uh, I will look at. Jason I think he's Tatum. a moderate superior defensive player. Okay. I mean, he's averaging twenty-seven. Seven and four, 46 percent, 41 percent shooting, 49 percent from twos. Middleton, look, what I was going to say is I've got those seven locks, which gives me five spaces. If you wanted to put an eighth lock in there and he's next on my list, it's Middleton. Middleton belongs in. So we okay. agree. Like we, and by the way, I have Tatum in as well. I just didn't. I had him like right below Middleton as Middleton. So we might as well just say that's eight for me. Middleton's in. His shooting numbers are people haven't have been a little slow to catch on to. The fact that he's basically just a Clay Thompson level, oh my God, Chris Middleton's open, full on panic shooter. Yes. Capital S shooter, making threes with dudes right in his face, shooting an elite level from mid range, rim, everywhere, six dimes a game, kind of emerging as the Bucks' somewhat co lead playmaker. So he's in for me too. That's eight. We can get to Vucevic now because if that's eight, my next two, let's just go through the candidates. That leaves me. That leaves us four spots for a whole pile yeah. of dudes in the East who are not rough, if not roughly equivalent, then on a given day, kind of roughly equivalent. Here are some of the names that we haven't named yet. Well, so Vucevic is one. Trey Young, Zach Levine, Fred Van Vliet, Jeremy Grant, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, Julius Randle, Malcolm Brogdon, Demontis Sabonis, Gordon Hayward, Drew Holiday, Bam Adebayo, Kyle Lowry. Pascal Siakam coming on of late. I don't really think he's a candidate. And oh, by the way, James Harden also plays in the East. Um, so we've named eight. You have Vucevic in his ninth. And by the way, I also have Harden as a lock. Now, so it, it, I don't. 
I'm not above just being like, you loafed your way off a team I got you. to get traded and pouted and drop the honey buns without wearing a mask and all that. Like, I'm just not, I'm not a bit being like, on uh, my fake all-star roster that doesn't matter because James Harden's going to make the all-star game and he is an all-star. I'll just leave you off this year. I'm not above that. I'm not sure I'm going to do that, but he's not a lock for me. My next two were um, uh, actually two guys above Vooch in my next, my next two were Bam, mm-hmm. who I just think has been a sensational two-way player all season and Trey Young. Um, and so if you want to get into the Trey Young conversation, now we can do that. Jackie Mack had a fantastic Trey Young piece yesterday. Vooch is on my next tier of guys in candidacy for spots 11 and 12. And I will say this on Vooch's behalf. That lineup they are starting <laughs> is not an NBA lineup aside from Nikola Vucevic. He has to do everything for that. I mean, that team is starting James Ennis and Gary Clark at the forward spots. And Fournier, their starting two guard, has been injured for at least half of the last three weeks, if not more. They have nothing, nothing around Nikola Vucevic. Without him, that team is dead. Now they're dead anyway, but without him, they're they're a uh, member in the naked gun when the guy fell out the window and got run over by the parade and then he got run over by the steamroller. Without Nikola Vucevic, they're that guy in the naked gun for everybody under 35. The naked gun is a spoof movie starring Leslie Nielsen as Lieutenant Frank Drebin. Go watch it. It's really funny. Um, so I'm, I'm – and when I surveyed, as I usually do, front office guys and coaches around the league and said, here's this pile of names. Pick a couple of all-stars out of here. Vucevic is winning that survey, probably even over Trey Young, over Zach Levine. So I'm, I'm partial to it, Vooch. Yeah, that, that was, that's been my experience too. And that, that's an interesting conversation unto itself. People have a lot of respect for yeah. Vooch. And I don't know if it's – if part of it is tinged with pity – for how that injuries have just absolutely decimated the Magic. I mean, every good player on their team other than Vucevic is hurt. Um, but I've got Bam over him. I've got Middleton over him. And Trey, let's just do the Trey Young thing now. Because I can hear the Bulls fans already. Why is Trey Young an offense-only player ahead of on your fake ballot that doesn't matter? Ahead of our offense-only player who's putting up 28 a game on 50, 40, 90 shooting. Basically, I think he's a little shorter than 90. Zach Levine on free throws. Why does Trey get in above him? By the way, I'm not saying Levine is out. I'm just saying Levine is in is in my tier with Vucevic for spots 11 and 12, maybe borderline. I've got Trey above him. I have an answer to that question, but I'll ask you right off the bat. Do you agree with putting Trey Young ahead of Zach Levine? Is Trey Young going to be on your All-Star team? So I, th- I'm glad we're having this conversation because that is literally sort of my last guy in conversation. Um, I have been a Levine skeptic his entire career, like just not my kind of ball player. A guy that I traditionally felt like has no interest, not only is unwilling to make anybody else on the floor better, but really no interest in an in absolute tunnel vision player. And like, I got to take yes for an answer, Zach. The guy is is uh, is considerably less that player. I can't get him for being inefficient anymore because he is the a paragon. His shooting numbers are ridiculous. Um, you know, I don't think he's. Uh, look, I, I I don't think this is a guy with 180 peripheral vision, but I think he's up to 117. Um, that said, there is he has a just a fraction of the creativity of Trey Young as a playmaker, as a passer. I mean, Trey, this is really, this becomes one of those qualitative conversations. I can't defend keeping 
Levine out. Um, particularly since obviously Young does nothing for you defensively, though Levine probably has greater defensive potential, which makes him a greater defensive disappointment. But it's just really hard for me to keep Levine off this ballot. And I might be able to, you know, if I'm willing to throw Kyrie overboard, you know, I can probably get both of them on. Um, I really want to have a conversation where Fred Van Fleet is in this conversation because I'm just an enormous Fred Van Fleet guy. Um, there are other, uh, obviously, I think he brings so much more than either of those guys kind of kind of spiritually and obviously defensively in just in terms of sort of, I don't want to say feel, because I don't think anybody has the feel that, that very few people have the feel that Trey Young does. But just in terms of this is a five-man exercise, um, I, I'm much more, you know, with, with, with Trey, it's kind of a three or four-man exercise. I mean, it, I think it's one of the crazy things that's happened with Trey is this notion that he's a selfish player. I think he has moments of selfishness. I don't think there's anything about the greater design of his game that is selfish. And all you have to do is watch him, you know, thread the needle to John Collins, you know, six, seven times a night to, to understand. Well, I will say, though, that I agree with you. I mean, Trey, it's, it's hard to average 10 assists a game right. and be selfish. I will say, though, that Trey Young really wants to get the assist. Like when you say thread the needle to John Collins, he wants to be the guy threading the needle to John Collins. And and Lon Kruger in that piece by Jackie McMullen, I was surprised he just came out and said it. He just came out and said it. Trey Young's college coach and said, we tried to get him to do stuff off the ball, and it just turns out he wasn't very productive at it. And that's still the case now. You see baby steps. Ooh, there's a little split cut. Ooh, that was interesting. <laughs> but he's still just doing nothing off the ball. And I think that's the next evolution for him is how to be a player. He doesn't have to be Steph Curry, even as everybody wants to be. He's never going to be. What Steph does off the ball is totally unique and totally special. But he's got to do a little something. And and he's got to do stuff that lends itself more to hockey assists and stuff that doesn't show up on the traditional stat sheet as much as, like, I'm pounding the ball and getting every assist, which is, by the way, he's really good at that. And I have him in the All-Star game over Zach Levine on this fake ballot because of his playmaking. He's just in another universe as a playmaker from Zach Levine. I think they are both enormously damaging defenders. I mean, Levine, his intentions are good and he tries hard. I really believe that Zach Levine tries hard on defense. I do. When you talk to him about defense, it's clear that he thinks about it. He can talk it. It's just on the floor. He just gets lost all the time and is being just, it's just not working out. He's just doing enormous damage on defense. So is Trey Young. But he's miles ahead of Zach as a playmaker. So on this ballot, Trey Young, Bam Adebayo, and Chris Middleton are spots 8, 9, and 10. And if you put Harden in, who clearly is a deserving all-star in the sort of most literal sense, I've only got one spot left. And I'm not sure I want to put Harden in for reasons I already discussed. But we're, we're getting narrow pretty fast. But to, so is Trey on your team? What's what's the end of the, uh, I the mean, discussion? I mean, look, a lot of times I, I kind of come here with you in that last spot. I'll, I, yeah, I want to kind of we've got 15 guys at this right, point. Right, right. Yeah. And, and I mean, Trey's interesting because in some ways it's a Kyrie issue in the sense that we talk about the off-the-ball question. I mean, what I would love to, you know, what you want to do is take Trey Young or have a coach take Trey Young, obviously, and just say, do you know how devastating you would be against the recovering defense as the second-side playmaker off of, you know, Harder's initial action i mean because that's always the thing it is it, it makes so much i mean imagine trey young on the catch on the second side against a defense that was loading up on harder or for that matter just by virtue of your presence on the second side now they're having to defend everything on the first side two on two and it, it's just that's i'm with you like like it, in, in some ways it is it Kyrie has this issue as well right no matter how much 
you know, you you know, and there were moments in the LeBron teams where where Kyrie's second side is just like like that, like that's your out, you know. And I, I just think that I'm with you in in terms of him. I think it's going to happen. Uh, I tend to be a young optimist, at least offensively. Like I actually think he will become the absolutely. He's a legitimately great offensive player. I think he's going to become a complete offensive player. I think he might go down as one of the greatest offensive players of his generation. Um, To me, it's the defensive piece. But even offensively, I'm with you as I just want to see. Like, like he could do so – he could wreak so much havoc against recovering defenses off the ball. Um, You know, and and for that matter, just merely as a a point of gravity for a defense. Especially with – yeah, Harder had – by the way, last Hawks thing. Harder – I still call him Harder, which is – it was like Dick, Dick Carter. Carter was right, a like Dick Carter. That's assistant like coach. But Herter is like as uh, he had so many nice plays last night against Dallas. Um, I think people forget that I, I, we mentally have him as an SG playing, you know, shooting guard in a two, and he is a legitimate playmaker. Um, he is a guy who can who can control offense and control possessions, um, and can find guys and is very large. So also has that kind of vision that big, you know, the big twos have as, as a playmaker. So, um, yeah, he was kind of the forgotten man in Atlanta coming into this year, given the Bogdanovich signing, and the Gallinari signing reddish and Hunter, the kind of sexier young guys and Herder has outplayed all those guys, but Hunter, this season, Hunter has been fantastic. Herder has been really, really good as a playmaker. Let me before we go any further, let's litigate Bam. Do you have Bam in? Yeah, I, I he, could... he's my twelfth. Although I'm up, he was one of those guys. I have him as my number twelve, open to conversations about Ben Fleet. What am I doing with Kyrie? Sort of that, that, that. But Bam, I have on there. If you told me like we have to, the clock is ticking. Submit my names right now at the buzzer. Yeah, Bam is number I've, twelve. I'll defend Bam over Vooch. Vooch is obviously a, a much better shooter, although Bam's mid-ranger has been one of the biggest developments of the season so far. Um, the Heat are 10 and 14. They haven't lit the world on fire, but they've been decimated by the virus and the health and safety protocols, and Bam has kept them afloat. And just sometimes you default to, or I do, in doing these kind of things, like game seven of a playoff series, who do I want on my team? Bam Adebayo or Nikola Vucevic? And I want Bam because I know what that guy brings on defense and and he brings me enough on offense that to me there's a meaningful gap between them in in the who do I trust the most in the very biggest games. And by the way, I have my whole spreadsheet open with my vorps and schnorps and bipums and wind shares and all this stuff. They're about neck and neck, bam and vooch in, in all these categories. And if you add them up all together and all that, so I'm going bam. Um, and so I've got bam Middleton Shrey. Then I've got those two spots left. One if Harden and. Boy, I don't know what to do with them because I got Vooch, Levine, Van Vliet. And again, that same conversation I keep coming back to. And, and we can we can default to, well, the All-Star Game is basically a dunk contest put in the dunker. Game 7 of the finals, what game 7 of the second round, whatever. You, you point blank ask me, who do I want in a game? Fred Van Vliet or Zach Levine? Oh, it's easy. And I get that this is a facile question because it depends who else is on the team, what their skill sets are, who am I playing? But I want Fred Van Fleet. I just do. I think he's a better basketball player. I trust him more. He's a really good defensive player. He's a better playmaker. He's not He's not nearly the scorer. And by the way, in one out of three games or one out of four games, that's going to be the wrong answer because Zach Levine's going to score 25 points in the fourth quarter and single-handedly win the game for me. So I'm not really even convinced it's the right answer in that fake debate or in this fake all-star debate. 
but I kind of like Fred Van Vliet better, but it's hard to ignore Zach Levine's numbers. So I've got, here's my tier of guys for that last spot. Vooch, Levine, Van Vliet, Harden, Jeremy Grant, who I think has been really, really good for Detroit. Uh, it's funny, I have him on my, I have on my, on sort of, not last man cut, but like third to last man cut. And then I have a teensy tiny gap until I get to the Pacers guys who are slumping a little bit right now. Simmons and Harris, and we can have the discussion of should the best team in the East have another all-star. I just, I'm not that compelled for either Simmons or Harris because I I just think Embiid is by far the driving force of everything going on there. Both those guys have been very good, but I just don't, I, I have a hard time putting them above everyone else. And then Julius Randle, Gordon Hayward, the advanced stats scream out for one candidate who's not going to make it for me and who's not going to make the real game. The advanced stats are screaming out for Drew Holiday. Yeah. His advanced numbers are off the charts good. I just can't quite get there. So, I don't know, take any of those. Maybe this maybe we should focus this around the Sixers. Are you I, I just should should they get a second guy? I, I'm not a oh get a second or third guy for the best team kind of player. In fact, I tend to in these exercises not punish guys for playing on crappy teams. Um and to your point, like you know, Van Vliet is he's like literally one of my favorite players in the league. And the fact that I would leave him off for Levine kind of tells you about my... Um, by the way, this is my all-tripped-up name. I almost called him Zach Levine again, the way I say Kevin Harder. I was saying Fred Van Fleet for like two seasons before someone on the Raptors um, PR staff, which is one of the best in the businesses, corrected me. Like, I am so bad at names for a game, a sport I cover. Uh, it, it, is, it is humiliating. Like, this particular East roster... Is is the is the all collection right, so, of all so, those guys? But so to, to, Tobias Harris and Ben Simons, no no case for either. I, of those I, guys I just, for I, again, I don't feel compelled to sort of, you know. Also, if they were like, look, if they were twenty two and six, we could have that conversation. I mean, they're they're they've overachieved. They've surprised the hell out of me. I have so much respect for what's going on there. I don't feel like I have to kind of push a guy through just because the team's having you know has outperformed expectations. I actually think Harris has a slightly better case than Simmons, although I've gotten pushback on that from a lot of front office people who are just absolutely enamored with Ben Simmons' defense. And by the way, they should be. He's a defensive player of the year candidate. He's incredible. He's just had too many games where I'm like, well, where is Ben Simmons? Like, is he on? Is he doing anything? Like, is he on? He's averaging 13 a game. And this is Ben Simmons. He's averaging 13 to 8 and 8. So. Part of it is that maybe I'm focused too much on scoring. I believe he leads the league in assists that lead to three-pointers. He's an incredible playmaker. But in a half-court game, there are just long portions of it where it's like, is he on the floor? Is he afraid to get fouled? Now, then there are games where he turns it on in the fourth quarter, and and then he has a couple games in a row where he's averaging 20 a game, and he looks great. That guy's an all-star. I haven't seen that guy enough this year. And Tobias, shooting the hell out of it. And if you look at their numbers – one of the things I really like that Doc Rivers has done is he has really stopped staggering Simmons and Embiid as much as Brett Brown did and has them playing together a lot. And one of the reasons he's done that is because staggering them pretty strictly would make for a lot of Ben Simmons, Dwight Howard minutes, which is just not is just a, kind of a bad fit. And instead, he's used Tobias Harris as kind of the lone starter with creating offense on bench units yeah. and those those lineups have been quite good and I think that's a feather in Tobias's all-star cap that those lineups are all plus 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 for the Sixers I think he's got a pretty strong case I guess I just come down to like at this level 
part of this is who creates the most offense for their teammates. And that to me is where Harris and Grant fall a little bit short of Van Vliet, Levine, obviously Harden, who's on another planet. And even Vucevic, by virtue of both his passing and his shooting from the center position, is such a creative force for the Magic. Grant's at like two, two and a half assists a game. Harris is a three assist guy. You know, Julius Randle, we haven't talked about, is a six assist guy. It's, you know, his his numbers have been trailing a little bit downward lately. He's got a good case, actually, for the Knicks. Um, But these these are really, you know, Brogdon's slumping a little bit recently, and these are really hard decisions. I just, I, I, I don't know exactly where I'm going to end up. Yeah, I have, I, I, I have Randall ahead of Harris because of the creativity. The yeah, passing. again, I, I, look, Harris. It's funny, and this is, it's almost a backhanded compliment. There's something about saying, and look, Harden would be an exception to this conversation. Where, yeah, that's the score who can really carry a second unit. What are we really saying? Again, hard, let's leave Harden aside. Often that's a euphemism for this is not a guy who really maximizes himself or his teammates in a five-man basketball game. But damn, I've got 12 minutes a night where it's just it's a slop fest against some crappy teams, crappy second units, and that guy can just go ball and it's pickup basketball, 19 possessions, let's go. And 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 again, I feel that, that shouldn't be an insult because, again, what, what, what Doc yeah. has done with those rotations makes a hell of a lot of sense. I don't think it's damning of Harris, but I do think it reveals something about him. Well, and let's a couple other names. Uh, Colin Sexton is really tailed off. Siakam is too little too late. Kyle Lowry just hasn't had the Kyle Lowry season, except for we should rename ESPN's real plus minus fancy adjusted plus minus stat that I don't understand. They should just rename it Kyle Lowry because every other advanced stat – Kyle Lowry for the first time in his career is is sinking in. Is not where Kyle usually Kyle Lowry averages like 13 points, 14 points, like blah numbers, 15 points a game. But all the advanced stats are like, Kyle Lowry's amazing, amazing, amazing. This year, all the advanced stats are kind of like, meh, meh, meh. And then you get to our real plus minus, and it's like, no, Kyle Lowry's still the fifth best player in the NBA. I have no idea what's going on there. But I don't think he's an all-star this year. Um Brogdon and Sabonis have slumped a little bit lately, as the Pacers have. And one thing about Sabonis that you notice is he's a he's a great player, and he would be a deserving All Star. I had him on my All Star ballot last year. He's a kind of as a scorer, he is a depends on the night kind of guy. So on nights when he can really play bully ball, when he has a matchup that gives him a size advantage, you're like, my God, how does anyone stop this guy? And on nights when there's a center. Or, or he just doesn't get into so many easy matches because he guards power forwards. So sometimes he gets the power forward on offense guarding him. When he doesn't have as many favorable just bully ball mismatches, he's kind of throwing up a lot of tough jump hooks that miss. And he, he's not – so he's really a depend on the night kind of score. And I don't think – I mean, I, I looked at Miles Turner because I think he's been sensational defensively. I just don't think there's enough there. Hayward – I don't really have an argument for why not Gordon Hayward. He's having a fantastic year. I mean, the raw numbers are are really good. I can look them up in a second, but they're they're strong and defensively he's good. His advanced stats are just in the middle of the pack with all these other guys. I mean, why is he not? Why are we not screen? Wait, and by the way, not didn't make my cut, but Terry Rozier is shooting fifty percent on catch and shoot threes. Just he's not an all star, but just wanted to give him a little shout out. But why why is Hayward? What are we missing? What what is there some wow factor that's just not there? Because he's having a nice season. Um, I I think again because we prefer because our taste in basketball players leans towards Bam Adebayo. That's why. 
right? Like, if you want to give Bam's spot, but I don't think you do. I mean, Gordon Hayward's 23, five rebounds, four assists. Right. So the four assists, but he's playing with all these guards, including LaMelo, who's been sensational, that are taking his assists. You know, for 50% shooting, 42% from three. He's a worthy candidate. Yeah, I just, absolutely. I, I like Bam a little better. That's all. So, um, yeah, I think that's it. It's just, it's, it, it becomes so much of this, and this is where it actually becomes fun, is it's a question of taste. What is your taste in basketball players? And, um, I mean, I, look, Hayward, functionally, I love. I love a 6'8", basically point forward um, with incredible vision, who is actually a pretty decent defensive player um, on a team with not a lot of size. So so little size you have to play biz at at center because that's who you trust most um, to actually do big man things on that team. Um, It's it's still a problematic roster. By the way, they've had some really... We'll talk Charlotte. I'd love to talk Charlotte one one day later in the in the dog days because they're they're a really interesting team and actually I really like watching of the of the sort of mediocre teams in the East. They're my favorite mediocre team to watch this season. Well, the Mellow is a show, yeah. and Miles Bridges, yeah, my God, that guy is gonna kill a human being on a basketball court during a game. Like that guy dunks. I, I has he been in the dunk contest before? God, I should probably know this. I don't really keep track of all the dunk contest participants, but maybe he he's a two foot jumper, so maybe he wouldn't be a great dunk contest guy. But my God, that guy is just outrageous. And uh, anyway, not an all star, but a very good player. Yeah, I don't. Charlotte's Charlotte's fine. They're a decent team. Gordon is again. If you want to put him in, put him in. I just you know I I just like some of these other guys better. And by the way, if Harden goes in, that's eleven guys. There's going to be a lot of good dudes who missed the cut in the East. It's a more crowded field in the West. Did you have any quarrel with Bradley Beal being a starter? Because some at all. I've seen some people do. No, not, I have absolutely no qualm. It was one of my easier locks, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, he is. Again, everything we just said about Vooch. I mean, the Wizards are bad to begin with, and they've been ravaged by injuries and virus stuff. Some of the lineups he's having to carry are really, really not very good. And Russ had the 141-point game a week or so ago and has been bad again since then. He's turning it over all the time. And last night I was watching their game against Toronto. There were four or five instances where he had a layup or the old Russ would have, if not made the layup, gone for it and drawn contact or something. And he just passed out of it. And it's 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 he's also altering his jump shot looks different every game. Like the last two games, I was even texting some people about it. He's got a lot of arc under the ball all of a sudden. You can tell he's kind of just searching for something. But anyway, Beal, Beal's a no-brainer. The guy's an Iron Man. Is he a good defensive player? Is he like a huge plus on defense? No. I don't buy the narrative that he's just out there loafing and mailing it in. I, I, I think he gets hit by screens. and But he's also the level of, of exertion he has to do to get that team into offense on every single possession is is enormous. And so I just don't buy the idea that he's out there just loafing. I no. think he's playing pretty hard and is just an okay defensive player. You know, and sort of the Damian question, who's rating really poorly defensively um, this year in a lot of the metrics is, again, there, there's not a lack of effort there. I, I think some guys, it, whether it's biomechanics, whether it's physiology, whatever the hell it is, like it's just defense in some ways is a very physical demand. And if you have the right twitches and you have the right body, it, it, it works. You, I don't think I, either of those guys ever want for effort. Neither of them are ever going to be great defensive players. And and 
it's something I can live with. Before we move to the West, so let's just review for the record. My all-star twelve, my all-star twelve-man ballot right now has ten pretty much in pen: Kyrie, Beal, Embiid, Durant, Giannis, Brown, Tatum, Bam, Middleton, Trey. I've got two spots left. Let me repeat that. I have two spots left. So all the people who are going to yell and scream when their favorite player doesn't get onto someone's ballot, I have two spots left. And if you want to open up a third spot, you got to yank somebody really good off my 10-man ballot. So just just dig in and prepare for that. I don't know who my last two are going to be or if I'm going to put Harden on. And if I put Harden on, then I've got one measly spot left for a bunch of guys who are having good seasons it really it actually hurts my soul a little bit i will go to bed tonight and my head will hit the pillow and for 45 minutes i will feel my version of anguish about jeremy grant and julius randall and red van vliet because i have serious serious problems and i will get less sleep because i'm thinking about my fake counts for nothing all-star ballot and the great season jeremy grant is having i have a lot of emotional and psychological problems. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part, each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, ooh, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code LOW. That's code LOW, L-O-W-E, my last name, the name of this podcast. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com or just stop by. Let's move to the Western Conference. Mr. Arnovitz, I will yield the floor to you. Did you do locks for this? And if so, how many locks do you have and what is their identity? I've got eight locks and another ninth semi-lock and a tenth. I'm not going to hear any arguments against and I don't care what anybody thinks. Ooh, well, first of all, I'm sure we have the same first eight and 8.5 or nine, but I'm very interested to hear who the 10th is. So save, let's leave the 10th aside. Yeah. Who are your first nine? Uh, in no particular order, by the way. Uh, Dame. No, no, I've, no. This order is your definitive ranking of these players <laughs> for all time. Just, just so you know. Dame, Steph, Kawhi, PG, LeBron, Jokic, Luka, AD. Yeah, those are the top eight guys in the yeah. Western Conference. There's no argument. It's cut and dry. They're in. I, there is no argument against them. If you're arguing against them, you're being silly. So to review, Steph, Luka, Dame, PG-13, Kawhi, LeBron, Jokic, Anthony Davis. In, eight guys in, period, end of story. So the entire let's pick our Western Conference All-Stars really is let's pick four players. That's what we're left with. And, and you and I agree, I think. I'm guessing we have the same guy as a virtual ninth lock, and that person for you is... Well, Zion Williamson is my my virtual ninth. Woo, we don't agree. But I also have a tenth that is like I actually feel more passionately about. I just know he's going to be a topic for debate, and so I'm not – but I'm just not going to hear it. Who is that? Mike Conley. All right, we've we, – this is – we we have gotten – this is exciting. <laughs> this is really exciting. So I have we, – we've got the same first eight. I thought for sure 
your ninth guy, call him a virtual lock, call him a semi-lock, call him a chain lock that you can saw off if you're really determined it's to steal Rudy. the bike. It was Rudy Gobert. Yeah, and Rudy's I'm basically, shocked that yeah, Rudy's not in there for you. Rudy, Rudy's my next guy. I mean, it, it, there are the, the funny thing is this is a hard conference. There are also some defined tiers for me, so it actually it looks hard, but it actually isn't as hard. And and like Rudy's my my eleventh. Um, and and you're not going to have any argument for me there. I just happen. I, I'm being really sentimental with Conley. Okay, so let's let's so let's take what we have in common, which is essentially nine guys that we both think we should should be in. If we both yeah. include Gobert on our should be in list. Those are nine. Yeah. That gives me three spots left to work with. You're telling me that it's a no-brainer for you that two of those spots are going to Zion Williamson and Mike Conley, which means we're up to 11 now on the Arnovitz ballot. So one spot for four guys for me. And we have not heard the names Donovan Mitchell, anybody that plays for the Suns, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, De'Aaron Fox, Christian Wood. Brandon Brandon Egram, DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan. Okay, so And Zion, by the way, in absentia, CJ McCollum is an all-star. Yeah, he had a great season. So so Zion and Conley defend those choices over I'll just name random names. Donovan Mitchell and Chris Paul. All right. Mike Conley has been the best player on the best team. I understand Donovan when all when all is said and told, I, I I'm I'm a and Mitchell might be my my 12th guy. Mike Conley has been the best player on the best team. He is seventh in the league in RPM, third in Raptor War behind Jokic and Leonard. He is the I'm top. Sorry, what, what, I'm sorry, what, what was that last? Th- this thing? is this is Nate Silver's thing. I'm just I'm throwing out like my point is is it's, it's not that called I called Raptor War. Raptor, and then he has that like, sounds like a video game where dinosaurs are fighting each other. They so it's it's Raptor, and then they have a war within Raptor, right? So Do it's I have like, to go on another hey site man, and add another statistic to my freaking spreadsheet. I'm not I can't, telling you. I can and I won't. I'm not lending it like all that much purchase. What I'm here to tell you is it doesn't matter which of these damn metrics you go to. The man is like at the top of the league. He is the he is not, nine points better in net rating than Utah's overall astounding number you almost sounded like the rock there for a second it doesn't matter what raptor is he is 16th in win shares which for a 24-man roster essentially um would would have him squarely in um the floater is in full effect like like you know it's also can i say how much fun it is to watch a guy with an elite floater play with a guy like like gobert who rolls hard catches lobs like we're seeing a little bit with trey young and capella and collins darius garland is going to get there with that those big guys, De'Aaron Fox is another one uh, with, with Holmes. But I, I just like Conley has organized that offense in a way that no one else had really been able to achieve. And, and and Mitchell will get there, but he's not, frankly, he's not a pure point, not that we need a pure point anymore. But what Conley does to stabilize that team on the floor, there's a reason they're doing what they're doing. By the way, Bogan's not having a great year. Mitchell's not having a great year. Ingles is coming off the bench. Gobert is Gobert. I'm, I'm sorry, where's the margin for the league-leading Utah Jazz? And it's this guy, and you start digging into, okay, well, let's 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 cut it more finely. Every time you do that, every time you examine, every time you watch 17 possessions at random, there's Mike Conley, you know, essentially just elevating this offense from resourceful to dominant. I don't... I don't disagree. I don't have him as a lock only because the raw numbers are just are, are not 
as and I'm not a big raw numbers guy, but you have to consider them. They're not yeah. outrageous. He's injured. He's suffering from the recency effect of he's injured right now. And as he's injured, all the players you just mentioned are playing better. So Donovan Mitchell is surging at another huge game there today against Boston. Bogdanovich, not an all-star, but I'm just saying, quietly now up to 42 or 43% from three after starting really slow. So he's coming on. The rest of the team is lifting up as Mike is sitting out. Now, look, I love Mike Conley, unabashedly. I love the grit and grind Grizzlies. He is all about the right stuff. He's just a wonderful player. And I do not want... Is it that bad? No, no, no. I'm just saying I do not want the first sentence of his career obituary to be the best player never to make an all-star game. I don't want that. And I care. I actually care. I don't have a heart of, you know, tin. I care. And you are absolutely right that when I put in all my schmorps and vorps, and apparently I have to add dinosaur wars to this freaking spreadsheet, Mike Conley is damn near at the top in every category. I don't know what those numbers are capturing. I mean, obviously, he's shooting it really well. He's a low turnover player. He's still a decent defensive player. He slipped on that end a little bit. He's a net plus every second he's on the floor, off the ball, on the ball. And as you said, you can do, you can study Utah's lineups any way you want. When Conley's on the floor, they're really, really good. And when Conley's off the floor, they're less good. Now, part of that is because, and this is where you get into, when you get into the weeds, you really get into the weeds. Quinn Snyder has really tethered him to Rudy Gobert. They go in games and out of games together. So the on-off numbers are a little noisy in terms of who's really getting, who should really get quote-unquote credit for them. But if you look at it, when he plays without Rudy, it's only 99 minutes. They're plus 20-something per 100 possessions. When he plays without Mitchell, which is 300-and-something minutes, now again, that's mostly with Rudy, they're plus 20-ish per 100 possessions. When he plays without both, only 75 minutes, they're plus 30 per 100 possessions. Again, only 75 minutes, not really meaningful. But the bottom line is, ascribe the credit any way you want to. Mike Conley has been amazing, and the Jazz have been amazing with Mike Conley on the floor. So if you want for both... Quality of play reasons and sentimental reasons to put Mike Conley on the all-star team. I just hope he comes back soon before the raw numbers start to get away from him a little bit because he has a really strong case. And look, we get into all these candidates where if you look at their numbers any way you want, Mitchell, Booker, Paul, DeRozan, Morant, Fox, Gilgis Alexander, Christian Wood, who we actually should talk a little bit more about. There's not a lot differentiating them, right? They're all kind of in the same ballpark. They all have flaws. They all have plus points. You can put, you can dig into the lineup information and learn whatever the hell you want. There, there's not much separating them. So if you want to go with a little sentiment and a little like, hey, let's give the best team three all-stars, I don't really think that's a crime. If it comes at the expense of Devin Booker, who, by the way, the advanced stats say Devin Booker doesn't even belong in this conversation. I think he does. He's averaging 24 points a game. But when I see all the advanced statistics and I line them up, it's not close. And I think they are whispering something to us about something that's a little bit missing from his game. Now, part of it is Chris Paul's taking all the playmaking duties and Devin Booker's not a great defensive player, to, to be generous. But um, I don't have a problem with giving Utah three. I'm not sure that's where I'm going to go. But that would mean, if I went that way, that my last three spots would be Mitchell, Conley, and and then a big giant question mark where some other guard probably is going to go.
Yeah. So it, it, so my last pick, or Zion, or Zion, Zion. or one of the, or, or Ingram. Right. So so the Utah question is interesting because I I think if if we use your criteria from the East, which is who do I want in Game Seven of a, you know, do I want DeRozan, Mitchell, Booker, or Ingram? I'm probably going Mitchell. I, there's just something. And by the way, I don't know that I can defend that empirically. Although well, I can defend it, I mean, but by say, saying okay, last the season, guy scored right. 9,000 points in a seven-game series right. like yesterday. So that that's my answer. That's probably why, you know, Ingram is so interesting to me because, like, he's a guy, by the way, we all toasted him last year and his numbers are pretty much, I wouldn't say exactly the same, but they're really, really similar. Um, he's really starting to be part of an integrated offense. He's making plays out of these small, small like, dribble handoffs on the wing that move into a step-up screen. He's gotten very good at this like three-man game, um, something he frankly wasn't very good at two years ago. Um, it's something we didn't see. In fact, my question for Brandon Ingram is, can you imagine how good he's going to be when he actually tries to make the game easy for himself? When he doesn't come off screens going into a contested jump shot, from a guy who's two inches taller than him. Uh, but, you know, Ingram is, it's a tough omission for me. I, I'm probably going to go Mitchell over all those guys. DeRozan is fascinating. because having a really nice season. He's having really a really nice, nice season. season. And, the Spur- and the Spurs are good. The Spurs are good. By the way, they're better when he's not on the floor um, by well, a pretty measurable margin. And, and again, I'm not, what I'm saying is when we get down to these last three or four, I have to start nitpicking, right? Like Devin Booker, true shooting percentage below 60. You know well, what? Can I nip? Can I nitpick your nitpick? Yeah, please. Uh, yes, the Spurs are way better when Demar's on the bench. However, they're plus I think three per one hundred possessions when he plays without Aldridge. So basically, when Pirtle is at center, I think the Spurs starters being bad thing is more about Aldridge than DeRozan, and also about how good their bench is, which makes their starters look bad in comparison. But I. I I think Demar's case deserves to be punished a little bit for that, but but not as much as you might as you might think when you see the the raw numbers. I think it's a lot about Lamarcus who has fallen off a cliff. Yeah, it's just it, it just goes to when you start getting to these last spots, you have to nitpick, right? Like I'm gonna I'm gonna dock Booker for being less efficient as a shooter. I just am right. Like sixty percent is kind of this Mendoza line for me for a guard who wants to make an all-star game, especially one who doesn't really bring anything defensively. And I'm with you in the sense that I feel for Devin. Because, you know, a, a lot of the shine on those box score numbers get taken away when Chris Paul has the ball in his hands, right? And um, uh, to say nothing of sort of the collective memory of watching Suns highlights and saying, all right, who's hitting that big shot with one minute and 28 seconds left? You know, now often it's it's Chris Paul from his spot. And in a parallel universe, that same game, you know, Booker's doing those exploits. He's sharing some of the shine there. But um, you have to nitpick when you get down to the four spots. So you come up with these sort of, yeah, let's true shooting percentage or is off on. I just don't know how else to, I don't know how else to distinguish between these guys. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. It's also the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering on. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your personalized training in mind. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes help you focus on your needs and goals. They are also made to challenge you with a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, okay? Full body strength, marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. Peloton's expert coaches and nonstop vibes, hashtag vibes, will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. And with a wide variety of options, whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. That's onepeloton.com. Let's do the exercise this way. You've already answered this question, but defend it. Let's do a teammate thing. Why is Zion a more deserving all-star than Ingram? I think, I mean, Zion is a more efficient player. I think, to me, just controls possessions in a way that Ingram doesn't. I think he, oddly, because he doesn't have range, he actually still depresses the defense more you know, from a gravitational standpoint. Um I think, you know, look, he, he, he's not a great defender. I haven't loved what I've seen from Ingram this year uh, and that now we're getting kind of way down. And uh, but again, I mean, he's a guy who is just I mean, again, and I it's a, it's a stat I go too frequently to and I and I grant you that. But a 64 percent true shooting percentage. I mean, again, creating possessions out of nothing. Um, I just think he and also sentimentally like i also think he's a weirdo and like i don't I, I want a diverse ecosystem on that floor and i have a lot of like-sized like-minded guys who play a certain way and then i have zion who you know, uniform unicorns over is sort of overused as a term but like it's just it's a more diverse ecosystem he's a total freak and he's a freak who can balance it with numbers i mean he is you know he's a 60 percent field goal percentage guy but unlike gobert actually has a, a more faceted multifaceted game so i'm just kind of there with zion i just i want to see him uh and it's not oh the fans and the marketing and the game no no no. like like it's there's there's a there's a possession dominance there that i like with this guy i think ingram has been the best player on the pelicans start to finish this season but I think Zion has been their best player in the last 10 games when Stan has really let him play make and started running him and pick and roll and stuff. And that version of Zion to me is the keystone to what the Pelicans should be as a team. It reorders the hierarchy of what they do on offense to a point where I don't think anybody is over leveraged or overtaxed. Ingram becomes the player he should be. Lonzo, who's on fire, becomes the player he should be. So I don't really have any kind of problem with putting Zion over Ingram. I'm not sure either will make my ballot, but I, and I'm not even sure who I'll choose because I, I do think game one to 25 or wherever we are, Ingram has probably been overall their best player. Um, but lately, Zion has been their best player. The advanced stats are leaning Zion, although when you when you take out PER, which is such a big number, they're kind of even. Um, so I could go either or. Uh, let's go to Phoenix, Paul or Booker. If you have to pick one, who do you pick? I mean, I'm always sentimentally and just in terms of, again, we, we talk about ecosystem and everything. Like, I, I, like I, I think Chris Paul is a greater reason why they're good. Um, numerically, 
I probably go with Booker. I don't have either of them in the final count. Ooh, um, no Suns, fifteen and nine. I know, I know. See, this huh? is this is the problem, and and, and it, it's unfair. Like it's it's patently unfair that I don't have a son. Um, do I have? Or do they have one of the twelve best players by my estimation? No. What do I do with that? I don't know. No, um, this is, sometimes yeah. it just it just happens like that. It's like how could Philly only have one All Star? Well, I, they might only right, have now, one All Star. Now here's the thing: I have Donovan in that last spot. If the answer is okay, how can you have three Jazzies, Jasmine? Jasmine. They um, like to be called Jasmine. Jasmine. Uh, versus zero celestial bodies. Like, I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe I need to kind of swap out Donovan for one of those two guys um, in the sense that if you feel that a team that is overachieved and has solidified itself as a number four seed should, by, you know, de facto have a representative at the All-Star game, you know, I think, okay, then I'll, then I'll – if you tell me that has to happen – I'm probably putting, God, I don't know, Booker, Paul. I still have Booker by a hair, but I just, you know, I don't know. I, I'll take one of those guys. But right now I have the last spot for Mitchell. I'll take CP, and I love Devin Booker. My love for Devin Booker is well-known. It has been constant from the from the moment he entered the league. Um, I think Chris has been better this year. The only number where Devin has him is scoring. And, yeah, that matters a lot. Uh, everything else is CP. And if you look at the advanced stats, it's not even close. Yeah. And again, I'm not one of these, I swear by what the advanced numbers are telling me. They're my be-all, end-all. They're my tiebreaker. No, no, no. But when they are one factor that I consider in these discussions and debates, and when they are all telling me the same thing, it's like a blaring red light that some traditional statistics are missing something that's going on here. So I would take CP over Booker. Um, if I have to pick a son, I'm not sure like you that I will pick a son, but I would pick um, Chris Paul. What are we to do then with Shea Gildress Alexander and De'Aaron Fox, who are just, I mean, are, are having I know. fantastic season. John Morant, I don't think has played enough games and the Grizzlies have been better with him on the bench. I don't really think that matters. I don't think it's a thing, but I just don't think he's quite in this conversation. But Fox and, and Shea have been really, really good. And Shea, in particular, on a team that, when you take him off, just has no way to score. Although they've had these kind of funny games recently where they've played like seven power forwards at the same time and somehow scored. I don't know what to do with those guys. They're both deserving, and, and particularly Fox, if the Kings keep on rolling like this. Yeah, listen, I'm, I, am, I am an SGA fanboy. And I, I think you tell them, yeah, you'll be there soon. Pretty damn soon. I, I just, you know, the, the the Suns question is also interesting because, like, I wish I could take, like, I wish I could take a little piece of Chris Paul and a little piece of Booker and a little piece of Bridges and and you know, and just sort of create kind of a a Sun Frankenstein to get there. It's just none of those guys rise the top twelve. Um, Fox is so much fun. God, is it? I, it it's a really deep position and a really deep conference. And I don't know what we do. I mean, one thing you could do is expand the roster for, to fifteen. Um, then you dilute the importance of the selection. But I think you and I have demonstrated here that I don't think you cheapen this game if 15 there's guys. Just nothing, there's just nothing separating these guys. I mean, exactly. I just don't know. I just don't know how to make a coaching argument that this guy deserves it and this guy doesn't. Um, in fact, I've just been, you know, in the last couple of days, I've had a lot of phone conversations with people just about in the league about stuff like this. And I, I like to put it to them blindly. You have to pick one. Shea Gilders, Alexander, or De'Aaron Fox, who do you want on your team for the next five years? And these people whose job it is 
to evaluate basketball players and have their finger on the pulse of the NBA, they're just reduced to rubble when you ask them this question. I don't know. Oh, boy. Um, but I think Fox went, oh, Shea's defense is really good. Yeah, but Fox can really be the fulcrum of a great – oh, boy, that floaters – you just stay hem and they haw because – these guys are both so good in such different ways. I mean, stylistically, De'Aaron Fox and Shea Gilgis-Alexander look nothing alike, play nothing alike, and they've both been really good. And it's just you throw your hands up in the air. Statistically, I'm looking at my advanced, my spreadsheet now. They're really, really close across the board. I just, I don't know what you're supposed to do. Yeah, I think you expand the roster to 15. I mean, look, who cares if it's diluted? What is this game anyway? You know, Teams actually have 15-man rosters. Why you don't even go it? conference versus conference anymore. It's right, team exactly. captain like, versus team captain. Why not just expand it to 15? Now, then you get into a situation where, oh, there's nothing separating 14 from 17. So you just play this again just at a lower rung, in which case that's probably the best argument against expanding it in addition to dilution in general. But I don't know, man. And I would I, I love to give Shave Gilgis Alexander or not. I just don't have – I just can't – I can't do it when Donovan Mitchell is sitting there even in what has you know, been an unexceptional season by his standards. It, it, you know, like, what am I supposed to do there? I'll tell you. We've gone through this whole rigmarole. I got no idea who I'm picking for my last three spots in the Western Conference. I mean, there. once I get to go bear, my first jazz man in, I got those nine guys, and then I got three spots for all these dudes. And I have no idea who I'm picking still. I know I, I'm probably going to pick Donovan Mitchell for one of them. And after that, and by the way, uh, why have we not talked about Christian Wood? So on my advanced stats little spreadsheet here, number one, when you add up all the categories and then you add up all the other categories and these and take away that, whatever it is, number one is Christian Wood. Now, I know he's injured. He's missed some games. He's going to miss some games going forward. Is there any – and the Rock, it's not like the Rockets are bad. They're – have a better record than the Thunder. They have the virtually the same record as the Kings and the Pelicans. Why are, is there some reason that Christian Wood is not more prominently in this discussion? I, I mean, you're right because it, you know he wasn't injured that many days before Conley. Um, I just think like out of sight, out of mind right now. Um, and, but yet, you're, it's funny. The minute he went down, they sort of they they hit their roughest stretch of the season since Harden left. So um, I, I have no He's idea. He's a why really dynamic offensive player. I mean, defensively, yeah. I don't, I don't, I, I think it's pretty eh for reasons of both effort and just sort of feel for that part of the game. It's not what he's he does. fine. He's he's okay. He can be okay. He's big and he's athletic, so he can be okay when he dials in. But offensively, that guy is a force, and he can do anything. Like you wanted to pop out for threes, he can do that. You wanted to rim run, he can do that. You wanted to face up against a mismatch, he can do that. Um, and his numbers are off the charts. I, I do think he deserves a place in this conversation for some reason. Maybe it is the missed games. Maybe it's that sometimes you get these guys that suffer through no fault of their own because they play for teams that just go through an absolutely wacky first half of the season that leaves you just feeling like, I don't even know what the Houston Rockets are. I don't know what they're – I just – they've because of the Harden thing – it just feels like the Rockets are this weird mystery box, and they've had this great defense since they traded Harden. They played just Sean Tate at center sometimes, and then sometimes DeMarcus starts at center, and sometimes Wood starts at center. Just a weird team, and you kind of feel like, I just don't know what to make of anything going on with this team, so therefore he's out of sight, out of mind a little bit. I don't think that's fair. I think he's had a really nice season. He should totally be in the conversation. Um, 
He's not going to be. I don't, that's no, I don't think he's going to be no. one of my, my one of my three guys I mean, again. I've got I've got nine locks. I only got three spots. There are too many damn good guards in this conference, and it's just not. Uh, and I also still think. It, let's let's face it. I don't think. I don't think voters are inclined in all star games to favor bigs. They just aren't. I don't care if they can do everything. I don't care if they happen to have guard skills. It's just not somewhere the voters are going to be disposed unless See, you're talking I like, to Joel. I like what, I like when we have a random dude who does not like. I like Rudy Gobert in an All Star game. You got all these dudes throwing alley oops and and making no look passes, and Rudy's out there like I'm dropping on the pick and roll. I'm gonna protect the rim. Here I go. And Kyle Corver's out there like running. I'm I'm open off a pin down, guys. I'm open. I'm open off a pin down, and people are like, dude, it's an All Star game. Like we don't really care. <laughs> so I, I like when there's one guy that's just out of character like that. Um, I'm trying to think who that like yeah who will, other than Rudy. I'm trying to think who who is the East Martian. Um, I don't know. It's a yeah, lot of fun, man. There are a lot of fun players on this list. Yeah, it'll be Bam sort of running offense from the high post. Vooch, maybe Vucevic could be that guy. Yeah, Vooch um, will just stretch and hit four three pointers in eleven minutes. By the way, they you know. haven't said they haven't said in this whatever you want to call this also in the plague all-star game where the league is going to Atlanta for an all-star game and they're having a dunk contest at halftime for some reason. Thank God there will be a time limit on the dunk contest because it'll be, well, maybe there won't be. I don't know. Um, They have not said yet. This feels like seven years ago. They haven't said if they're going to use the Elam ending again, uh, where they have the target score, which was such a hit last year. It It was now I, I would bet a lot of money based on conversations I've had that they are going to use the Elam ending again. I understand that it is not um, one of the 7,200 most pressing issues about sending a collection of human beings to the same place to play a basketball game right now. But I, I, we're creeping up on All-Star. I'm kind of surprised they haven't said it yet, but I, I hope they do, and I suspect they will. That was a lot of fun. That was kind of in retrospect when the world was beginning to end and we all should have seen it coming by then because it was coming in other parts of the world. But I just remember watching that All-Star game. What I would like to go back in time now, knowing what we know, and relive like February 2020. Like what 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 were we all thinking? What was going on? We there was we're still like, oh man, like Bam's in the All-Star game. That's kind of what a weird it feels like five years ago, doesn't it? It doesn't. I think that Sloan is the last weekend of it. Whoa. Well You remember that. I was there, yeah. as were you. And Kenny Atkinson got relieved of his duties, and we did a podcast about it. And probably none of us should have been there. And uh, it was a conference. There was a conference in March 2020. We were at it. And by the way, at the conference, there was a volleyball tournament, a high school volleyball tournament, where like a thousand high school girls were in the same complex we were, sweating and playing volleyball. It seems like a terrible idea. Uh, we will be doing Sloan Zoom style will we not this season oh uh, yeah sloan is virtual yeah. um, no green room I, yeah. I can't think of anything less appealing this is not about sloan than a virtual conference i would rather take a virtual nap than attend a virtual hey. i would rather virtual obedient puppy school is worse really it that is sounds like not it's cute at least no it's no not, it's it is not, cute. not something that can be conducted uh virtually so wait you have a trainer Telling you how to train yes. your dog at home? You have a trainer staring into a screen, not demonstrating anything, while you have your laptop angled because your dog is small and your counter is tall. And then, like, so to get it in the frame, and then the trainer kvetches at you because you're not in the frame because you don't stage, like, Broadway shows. And I don't know how to get 
like me, the dog, and my partner in one frame with a little map that you have to use for the training. Um, all this is to say that, yeah, Sloan is not amenable uh, to Zoom, and, and, and obedience classes are not conducive to Zoom. They're just exercises in absolute frustration. Um, like my dog just kind of, at a certain point, just retired from the whole thing. I don't think... I don't think I got anywhere with my Western Conference All Stars, Kevin. I think we just did a whole did I just podcast. It for I you? Still, and I'll be no, mad I don't if know you what don't. I'm doing. I mean, I, I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna die on the Mike Conley Hill. I don't care if he's injured. I don't care if he doesn't play another second of NBA basketball in his career. This guy needs to go to the All Star this season. He's the best. He has been the best player on the best team, and I am I, I am whole hog into this. And you know what? Uh, look, I haven't talked to Mike this year. I think he actually cares. I remember a couple of seasons ago when the Grizzlies came to New York, fall of 2018, I think, uh, and he had come on my podcast once before, so you don't want to go over the same topics again and again. And I said to their PR guy, "Hey, I I probably shouldn't bring up the All Star thing, right? Like, I don't, we we don't want to, we don't need to do that again." And he said to me, "I think you should bring it up because Mike is ready to talk about how much he wants it, how much it means to him." And of course, he didn't end up making it again. But I do think he cares, and some players pretend they don't care, and they're, they, you know, it's natural. Like, you know, caring is not cool, right? Like, everyone wants to be too cool for school, and Mike actually cares. It would mean something to him, and he's played well enough that he absolutely deserves it. So maybe there is room for a little, in this, in this crap world, maybe there is room for one feel-good thing, and that thing would be Mike Conley making it, the all-star. It'll be impossible to marshal the public, but if they marshal the media and the coaches, like, I just, it's just, it's outrageous. This guy will have played a career the way he has, like, like with not a damn shooter in Memphis for eleven years, whatever the hell long he was there, um, and and to not be in an All Star game, like it's just, it just he he is so skilled, he is so poised, he could do so many things. Um, he defends. Any... He's four foot nine, and he's like one of the best point guard defenders in basketball over the last ten years. Have we left anybody out? Um, in, e- in either conference, is there is there any? No, you. I mean, I Rand, so. we, you will get the most grief for not giving Randall any shine. You will get. I'm, I'm predicting in the what, grief in the grief power rankings. I mean, the thing about it is, is that Knicks fans are so traumatized already. Anyway, um, they already have a bevy of complaints. But, but like, actually, they're playing nicely this year. But, but I think you'll get the most grief for not giving Randall more serious. He's a candidate. He's a middle of the road candidate, right there with Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris and Jeremy Grant and Fred Van Vliet. I just, I just. I, I went into the exercise actually thinking he would outrank a lot of those guys. I probably I just seem to by luck have 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 watched a disproportionate number of crazy Julius Randall games and missed the disproportionate number of like okay Julius Randall games. When I dug into it, he was not a no-brainer. I thought he was going to be a pretty not a no-brainer, but pretty close to one and he's he's not. He's just in that sort of muddled middle ground and then you like, well, the Knicks are what are the Knicks, 10 and 15 or something like that? I mean, they're just, eh, their offense stinks. And, yeah, their offense is way better with Randall on the floor. They are way better with Randall on the floor. He's their best player. I just don't – and the six assists are really impressive. His jump shooting has been pretty damn impressive. He's got a case. It's just, again, the East has 25 guys with with – and, and 10 of them have basically the same case. Like, what's the case for Julius Randle over Gordon Hayward? There really isn't one. It's just the same guy, just like a little more juice in this category and a little less juice in that category. It's the same guy. So I I love Julius Randle. Everyone knows I love Julius Randle. I just, 
you know, I, what am I kicking off Chris Middleton to put Julius Randle on? No, Chris Middleton's just better. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm having the same problem. But uh, I think I in the in the in, in the indignation sweepstakes, I think Randall will, will be the biggest snub perceived. Um, and by the way, there's a case to be indignant. I mean, he's had an amazing year. Yeah, I put him above. Like he's he has passed in the last couple of weeks. He's passed Sabonis. He's passed Brogdon. I might put him over Tobias Harris even. And you know, like he's got a case. I just it's hard. All right. Well, we will again. Just to be clear. Those of us who read the email appropriately and have <laughs> ballots will vote only for five starters. So my vote, such as it is, Mr. Arnovitz has forfeited. I mean, you, you basically wrote in Mickey Mouse on your ballot and shoved it in the ballot box. You forfeited your ballot. My vote is only for the five starters. Julius Randle's not a starter. This does not concern Julius Randle. So all of this is just gobbledygook in terms of does it actually matter. My five starters will probably right. be... Beal, Jalen Brown, Giannis, Durant, and Bede. That's it. And so then. But you didn't make, by the way, I have a question for you. Who's your West? Are you Kawhi or Paul George? Oh, Kawhi. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's it. I mean, I, I gave Paul George a really close look. I mean, the numbers are just outrageously good, but I, I ultimately ended up with Kawhi as my starter. Yeah, I haven't thought about, I mean, the more interesting thing is you have, to, you have to pick two guards between Steph, Luca, and Dame. Yeah. I, and I, that, that's. I think it's that, I think it's Steph and Dame. I really do. I, Luca's amazing, but just when you look at the year, Steph is. I, I can't. I can make arguments for keeping Luca off. I, I just can't find a hell of a lot of argument for me keeping Dame or Steph off. Dame, Dame, Terry Stotts. They're just like it's just like duct tape over there. They're just holding it. What they're like thirteen and nine or something. Yes. It's just duct tape over the crack in the wall. Duct tape over the cupboards falling off the hinges and just duct tape, duct tape, duct tape. We snuck out another win. Robert Covington made a couple. It's just duct Dame is unbelievable. And the Blazers, Mello has a ran Mello won every three games. Mello gives you 20 off the bench and Canner gives you 14 and 15. They just find ways and people want to on the Blazers because oh they what another, you know, mid-rung playoff run and blah blah blah. blah the, the two small guards. They just endure man the blazers just endure and they are currently enduring and if you count them out of the playoffs when cj mccollum and yusuf nurkic got hurt i got news for you they're not out of the playoffs right now they just endure and dame is he's so good that it's just it's crazy how good he is he's just so so good he's a show every single night he single-handedly gives them a chance to win every game they are they are so damn resourceful. I mean, I just I, the magnitude of those losses. You lost your two best front court players. You lost your you know obviously your second best guard and your second best player overall. Um, they had this vaunted depth that now has been completely depleted. Um, by the way, like the Simons is learning the hard way. It's not like that guy has has has, has sort of blossomed. I mean, they're they're taking lumps while they develop, while they win games, while they stay in the playoff hunt. Um, there is not a non-flawed, deeply flawed player on that floor every single moment of every single game with the exception of Dame Lillard. I mean, everybody else is sort of, it's it's lemonade every every single night. You know who I love watching on that team? Who? Gary Trent. Yeah, I was going to say that. Just absolute balls of steel. That guy thinks he is a, and I mean this affectionately, he thinks he's a superstar. 
He thinks he can go one on one against anybody and get a bucket. He has a really sneaky good one, like old school mid range ISO game. He's shooting threes with people on his face. He doesn't care. I love watching Gary Trent, and he makes winning plays. He makes winning plays on both ends of the floor. I'm a huge fan. By the way, I also think he factors to be a eventually a really decent defensive player. He's he's big. You know, you you see these guys who come in a bubble, all of a sudden he's launching nine threes a game. You just assume, okay, that's a 6'3 sharpshooter with no other skills. That's John Jenkins who slipped to the second round or something. And, like, the guy's big, um, and he's strong and can get stronger, frankly. Like, I I think think when when the whole thing is there, I think he's going to be a quintessential three and maybe not capital, capital D, but, like, three lowercase – to, to mid-size D, I, I do think six six guys who can play that way are just not all that frequent anymore. Um, and so this guy, it's a really good piece for them, you know, because it's always like, yeah, three small guards and whatever. No, no, this guy is a legitimate three in terms of size and stature. And if you could put the skills with it, like I think there's just a like it's a great keeper for them. Uh, I'm, I'm glad we ended an all-star podcast by talking Gary about Gary Trent, Trent Jr. Jr. Uh, uh, Kevin Arnovitz, uh, I don't bother filling out your all-star ballot. I guess you don't have one, but thanks as always for your time. I hope to see you soon. Uh, I hope Howard the dog behaves himself uh, over the coming weekend and uh, enjoy California. Thank you very much. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.